mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. episode 54. I'm Tracy Prophet. I'm Ruth Arquiaga. And I'm Jay Prophet. And today we are going to walk through a task that Ruth is going to teach. Are you teaching it today, Ruth? Maybe? Possibly. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, it, we had this idea, I guess I had this idea, that um, we, we're we coming off of Thanksgiving break. When you get this, it'll be, you know, further along. But um, yeah. it's we've just had Thanksgiving break and there was like, well, not a lot to talk about because the last Last week, um, you were in school, but you were like doing professional development. And, you know, when you haven't taught for a week, there's like, what are we going to talk about? So I said, let's, why don't you think of a task or find a task that you want to teach coming up? And um, we'll talk about it and we'll go through the anticipating step, which I think is the step when we're like trying to implement something quickly, we skip or shorten a lot. Um, So that was the idea. And so we're going to talk about, how we found the task, and then kind of walk through what it might look like in your class. Before we do that, however, we need to give a shout out, right, to um, Mic Drop Maths. If you haven't listened to it. Yes, we do. Yeah. If you haven't listened to it, you should. Um, This is a podcast um, made by Whitney Wells Corfield. Did I say it right? Uh, Sounds good to me. I'm not looking at it, but it sounds good. And also um, Lindsay Paulson. Whitney is a um, teacher in Richmond, Virginia. And I think she teaches in the county, but I can't remember which one right this second. And then Lindsay is the ITRT and the technology resource teacher in um, in the same county. And they, together with um, Whitney's fifth grade students, have made a podcast about math. And it is pretty awesome. By students for students. Yeah, exactly. Um, so her, we actually got to have a conversation with them um, as they were kind of dreaming this up. And we just, you mm-hmm. know, talked about the... Some of the technical issues and um i was just left that conversation like so excited for them they were so like ready to go and and you know we had some ideas for them that they that they took and i think they had already written the first episode at that point yeah uh or you know we're trying to you know figure out the best way for you know oh just to get it out there and they got out there really quick yeah i was super surprised that when i saw that their website was up and that the first episode was dropping yeah, so that that first episode is about um, odd and even prime and composite numbers, which is the same first thing that I started with um, when I taught fourth grade, but we were doing fifth grade math. That was the same thing that I started with. So it was, it was just cool. Their math is really solid. Like all the way she explains things are very conceptual and with models, even in an audio format, which is awesome. They have a lot of um, cool sound effects and music and the kids add in a lot in their jokes and they <laughs> introduce themselves like vocabulary words and it's just delightful, y'all. It is. So you should take it, check it out. Um, you can find it on all the places like Apple Podcast and Stitcher and, but they have a website too, Mike Drop Maths. And that's maths with an S, yeah. plural. Yeah. Like the British maths. Yeah, like Joe Bowler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so check it out. All right. Anybody else have anything they want to say about that before we keep rolling? No, let's go. No? Okay. Let's go. So 
We talked about this last week, but I thought it'd be worth it to talk about it again. We've been looking for places to find good tasks. And thanks to one of the teachers in my building, thanks, Georgiana, she, oh, I didn't think about that. She suggested Georgia Standards. Well, Georgiana suggested Georgia. Right. Yep. I love it. <laughs> um, she she found it and was like, you should look at it. And so if you go to georgiastandards.org and then you scroll down just a little bit, it has all these icons with the Georgia Standards of excellence. Ruth, are you with me? She's I am, yes. Okay. And then we clicked on math. Mm-hmm. And so it opened up straight to the math page. Um, and then we went to like a little halfway down, it says um, the resource package additions now available. That's what we're looking at. We, Under what tab is that, Tracy? Because I can see both of your screens and you're not in the same place. So Georgia. I clicked math. Did you click K5? Under highlights? Mm-hmm. Under highlights. Okay. I haven't clicked there yet. Is she ahead of me? Well, you had said halfway in the middle, and she was scrolling down to the middle of the whole page instead of, like, middle of the screen. I clicked on the red icon that said math, and then I went to highlights. We are in the same place, but there's just more than one way to get there. Okay. Which is a good website. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I clicked on K5, and... So we were looking for something, I'll just point out that we were looking for something for Ruth to use in her sixth grade class, but because our standards aren't exactly the same, we were like, okay, let's look in the seventh grade. Okay, it's not there. Let's look in fifth grade. And we found what we were looking for in fifth grade. So go up or down. If you don't see what you need, go up or down a little bit. Um, I'm sure we could have looked at like their standards in a more concise place. But anyway, so then we opened up that we, on the right hand side, it has all the grades and we... um, expanded the grade five. And if you click on curriculum map, that's where you can kind of get the big idea of what unit to look in, because it's not really obvious immediately which unit. So we looked at curriculum map, but then the grade level overview is a modified version of the curriculum map with actual links to it. Are you you telling me something different? Well, you're on curriculum map, but you're going to have to eventually go back to get to the link of where you want to go. So if you go to grade level overview. Okay. Oh, I see. Cool. All right. And so then we went into the adding and subtracting with decimals. Multiplying and dividing with decimals. JK. Thank you. Let me go back. Did you guys talk about this this morning? (laughs) We did. We are clearly (laughs) still figured it out. Multiplying and dividing with decimals. There we go. And... Then we, you, if you scroll down onto the table of contents, it has a bunch of different tasks. Um, and I just will mention again that they have, they have different types of tasks. They name them. Um, where is that? So I, I feel like it's worth mentioning. Look at the bottom of that where it says, if you have not read the curriculum overview in its entirety prior to the use of this Oops. unit, please stop and click here. Yeah. Which just goes to show you that the curriculum framework and the questions that you're trying to answer are really important. Yeah. It really does help you as an educator to unpack your standard. Yeah. And they just decided to put that in all caps at the bottom. Yeah. Like, don't just come here for the lesson, but really know what questions you're going to yeah. ask. That probably should have been in all caps at the top. <laughs> yeah, right. We probably should have done it, but we were went straight to the task. But you've you've unpacked the multiplying. Right. Well, so you guys have already done that process. Well, They're I've... talking about teachers who don't look at anything, but I need a lesson for this unit. Boom. What's I'm going to take activity? it and use yeah. it. Yeah. I found the page. It's on page nine in the fifth grade unit three about 
just how they have lists different types of tasks, a scaffolding task, a constructing task, a practice task, a performance task. Like I just thought that was an interesting way to sort of delineate what they're what you're looking at. Okay, so we just went straight to the one because it was an easy name to figure out multiplying and dividing decimals and we landed on a three act task. You want to explain the what we found here? Um, I do because I'm right with you. I'm not distracted. <laughs> I'm sure. This week on Listening to Websites. Okay. So I feel like it's important to feel, to see where this task is in my okay. lesson too, right? Yes, in your have, unit. I'm teaching sixth grade. They have mastered, quote unquote, long division as whole, whole number long division, as well as division, been introduced to decimals in the dividend. Okay. Okay. So my job as a sixth grade teacher is to introduce and have them master decimals in the divisor. Okay. And it's really easy to say, so there's one more step Mm-hmm. When you have a decimal in your divisor, you just move it over and make it a whole number. Now let's practice. Um, and do the same in the dividend. Exactly. Yeah. Just the idea is that you teach them what the rule is. Sure. And so I haven't done that. Um, man, have I wanted to. Yeah. Like if I could just tell you what to do. So, <laughs> so far we have scaled um, division problems, which means we started with something like 128 divided by 16. And we had a conversation about why would this be hard? Why would you like, uh, if I put this on the board Mm -hmm. and they were able to articulate because 16 doesn't go into 12 and I would have to count by 16s to figure it out. And the answer is eight. So you'd have to count by 16s a lot. Yeah. So we scaled it. And I showed them through a series of discovery problems that if you divide both of them by two, you now have 64 divided by eight. Mm -hmm. And maybe you know that and maybe you don't, but you could scale it again and get 32 divided by four. So you're looking at this variety of problems that all have the same answer. And I had um, some visuals that I had just drawn on the board to show them that the answer was the same. Mm -hmm. And I scaled the problem down two, and I got the answer of eight. That doesn't mean that I'm going to multiply the answer by two to get the one for above it. Because as a teacher, I know that when we move the decimal or when we multiply the divisor and the dividend by 10 and we get the answer, kids always want to put the decimal back in the answer. Yeah. And so by starting with something other than 10, we can see that after you've scaled the problem, your answer is the same. Um, So the only thing they've seen is multiplying and dividing by 10, multiplying and dividing by 2. We did some multiplying and dividing by 25s and just numbers that make these division problems easy. So somebody could remember, oh, yeah, I could scale this. Mm -hmm. But... There hasn't been any direct instruction in how do you do this and practice. And it's been a week of Thanksgiving. So can I stop and ask you Mm -hmm. something? Wait, first of all, are you following us? For the most part. Okay. Um, 
I think it's okay. I have a couple of comments. I have one is I think it's important to realize or maybe help kids realize that multiplication and division work differently in the like changing the problem. You know how what mm. we're saying here is that if you multiplicatively change the um, dividend and divisor in the same way, you're going to get the same answer. Right. So you can like multiply both of those by the same number or divide both of them by the same number and get the same answer. And you don't have to undo that at the end. At the end. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, with multiplication, you have to do if you do something multiplic- multiplicatively to one of the factors, you have to do the opposite. You have to do the inverse operation to the other factor. So that's like where we get have and double. So what? Yeah. If you if you have like. Um, six times twelve. Right. Okay. You ha- you can use the have and double strategy where you would have the six and get <laughs> and make it twelve th- times six. That's <laughs> no. Wait, three. I'm having the six and get making it oh, three. Okay. And then double the twelve and making it twenty four. Then you would do three times twenty four and get the same answer. Gotcha. Okay, Heath was thinking for a long time there. I oh, like I was doing it in my head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm surprised we've made it this far. And you is have and double not a strategy that no, you absolutely heard? understand? And just when you said it the first time, I just had to have an example. Yeah. Okay. It, it, but it make, I mean, understand now because you can't when you're dividing, multiplying is not. I don't know. It's it, it's it's not the same process as the as the problem you're working on. Yeah. And so I guess that's I, I just. Were you going to say something? Yeah, I am going to say something. Like I am imagining my students figuring out the have and double strategy because we used the scaling with division. So can I use your – like let's write that down. Can I use your pen? If I taught them 20 – no, 72 – Divided by three, we could... The other thing is, what's the dividend and the divisor? I know the quotient's the answer. The dividend is in the den. The dividend is the number you say first. Okay. Or you could sing Ruth's song. Ready? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) All together now. It goes like this. This is what I have to say every single time before I... Okay, In my head. Are we going to... Okay. (laughs) Are we really going to do it together? Well, now okay. that you've teased the entire audience, you've okay, got to finish we go. the song. We're inside dividend, outside divisor, up top quotient, dividing all the time. Okay. We won't sing the second part because so it's dumb. dividend is inside that little bracket thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. That, that was enough. Yes. Vinculum. Wow. Okay. Keep going. All right. So you've got 72 divided by three. Now what? So if I scale this... No, I was trying to make this problem relate to what you gave Jay. So the answer to this is 24. But I was trying to, yeah, I don't know. Because if I used my scale up, this would become 6, but I would have to double that, which would be 144. That's doubling, doubling, not having a doubling. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, division, you double and double. That's an Irish law firm. (laughs) <laughs> we are a hot mess today. <laughs> Ruth's, Ruth's working it out. Yeah. I Okay. 
I got to think more about that. Okay. It's okay. I mean, it makes sense mathematically that when you're dividing, you have three times 24 is 72. So if I doubled this, then I would also double this. So when she and says that this- 24 would be the same. So if I doubled the first factor in the multiplication problem and the answer, I've really scaled a division problem. And I'm just thinking about how a student could see the relationship between half and double and scaling. Okay. Maybe that's just for another day. But yeah. Well, I got for today now. It, it off didn't track. work with that problem. Okay, okay go ahead. So that was um, detour number one. Detour number two is the fact that on a run last two weeks, I don't know, well, ways back, we talked about this set of number strings that you, that we felt, you felt, we felt, whatever, were going to help us cement the idea of, she just grilled her eyes at me, Um, because I'm worried that if you do this today, you've missed the step of like really getting them to articulate, You, you have to do the same thing to the dividend and the divisor. But this may also be more engaging than your set of number strings. And I wonder if that's kind of where you're going is like, that's going to be tough. And right. But I am kind of thinking that if I do this task and even if we get the answer, then I have this task to refer to when we're doing the number string. Like, what if you knew this information yesterday? How would have that helped you as you were struggling through this task? I feel like they have enough information to answer the task. Okay. Okay, so let's walk through it and then we can get to the end. We, I mean, really, I think I know we're talking about it like we have explained what it is, but really, I only think there's one place where they're actually dividing by a decimal. Right? Right. Okay, tell us about the task. Okay, so a three-act task starts with a, um, a hook is really the best way to do it, is you push play on a video And then you ask the students, what do they notice? What do they wonder? Um, And what math question do you think we could answer from watching this video? And so students generate a list of questions. And this particular video is a base 10 cube, which elementary teachers would call the thousand cube. Mm -hmm. Sixth grade teachers might call it the 10. (laughs) Right. Um. And he is filling it. It's a hollow cube, and he's filling it with pennies. Let's and mention that this is um, a task from Mike Wernicke, I think, or something like that. So the, the Georgia Standard's linked to his three-act ta- task page. Okay. So he is stacking pennies, and he makes one stack in the corner of the cube okay. in the first act. That's the first thing that we're we're watching. And so... It's very well, it's very teacher friendly because in that information, he gives you the questions that students might come up with, Mm -hmm. but he also gives you the questions that you, of course, want the students to come up with. I'm going to say the the Georgia, like, so Georgia took his start and kind of like developed it out. So the Georgia standards page is where we saw the examples of questions kids might come up with. He did ask, like, he gives you kind of prompts of what to ask for. But his, but the page from, from Georgia is where it had the list of 
sample teacher, sample questions that kids would come up with. So in the first step, you just see one stack of pennies Yep. in the corner of this hollow box. You see mm-hmm. him making it, and then it speeds up, and it becomes the top, the, the tall step, the tall stack. Gotcha. Yeah. So do you know how many pennies it is? Well, that's the whole idea, is that you want the students to say... Um, how many pennies? How is many that? pennies are in the stack? That could be your math question. You want the students to say how many pennies could fit in the whole box. You want the students to say well, how much money pennies. would be. <laughs> yes, that that's going to come. Why are his fingernails so long? Or why does he have hair on his arms? Those are all <laughs> kinds of questions that students are going to ask that you validate. Yeah. You're right. It's not really a math question, but that's a question that you could have. And that's so, something you notice. Right. Yeah. And something you may wonder. So after they have come up with what the question is, then you have to say, well, in order to answer those questions, what information do you need? And so, of course, I'm not going to tell you how many fit in the box because that's just the answer. But what might I give you that would make you be able to figure it out? Mm -hmm. And so that takes you to act two where you see a picture of this box that he's measured that is a cube so it's six inches by six inches by six inches so you just get the measurement of the cube at that point well what else would you like me to give you the measurement of the diameter of a penny perfect Mm -hmm. and so now i'm going to show you a table that has the weight of the penny and the diameter of the penny and the thickness of a penny are we still neck two we're still on Act 2. And so you get this table with all of that information. Oh, the thickness of a penny. I forgot about that. Right? So you have the thickness huh. and Look there's me, also in grade. quarters, dimes, and nickels <laughs> in this table. So now you have to interpret and read a table to get the information that you need instead of me just telling you. I love that so yeah. much. That's I love, a great step. Yeah, that there's a whole table that you have to pick out what you need. That's such a good choice. Yeah. Shout out to Mike. Good job, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go measuring them nickels and pennies, Mike. Yeah. And I'm sure that he has been anticipating your approval <laughs> yeah. since he wrote that He wrote this thing three years ago, and exactly. ever since then, he's just been biding his time until he makes it big time. On our moment of off-trackness, I have a comment. I have a, a, something to throw in here. I'm full of that. I'm sorry. Well, you're not off-track. Never we're gonna, about this. Never going to let Ruth finish here. Um, I just want to say that the Making Math Moments That Matter guys um, did a really good job in their first few episodes somewhere. Um, And I'll put the actual link in our show notes um, when I find it. But they did a really good job walking through step by step by step of what a three-act task should look like. And they talked about all of the things, like all the problems, Hmm. all the steps, all the mistakes that they made when they first tried it. Um, And one of them that you mentioned was like, what do they say when the guy, oh, his arm is hairy, you know, like how to respond to that so that you're not shutting down curiosity but also directing them so if you've never done a three-act task they just did a bang-up job with that go back and listen to it okay carry on way to go guys yeah okay so act two at this point is where you set them on their way and as a teacher it's also like the most stressful time because you have students who are just going to take the numbers off of the table and if they have some students will not have as much of a productive struggle as others because I will have some students who just sit there and look at that information like I don't even know where to start. And so as a teacher, you have to have tools that 
I have to have previously anticipated who is going to, not necessarily who is going to struggle, but who might need some, a push. What if I ask you this question? What if I gave you this tool? How might this tool help you? Um, it's really easy to say, why don't you go work with that person? Mm-hmm. Right. Let me just put you in a group where <laughs> conveniently pair them up. Yeah. That kid's going to do it instead of allowing you to really think about what kind of a strategy you could use. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to take your thickness and you're going to have to see how many pennies that thick are going to fit in six inches. Then you're going to have to figure out how many diameters are going to fit in six inches. And so in this, one of the things they said to do was to give your student a ruler and let them draw a six inch line. So real quick, I don't have a penny or a ruler on me. Is the diameter of a penny something that's kind of easy to work with? No, it's nine hundredths of nope, no. the diameter. Oh, the diameter. It It is 75 hundredths. Of a centimeter? What? Of an inch. Of an so inch. it's exactly Sorry. three quarters of an inch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, that's that's a good round number. Had it been like, you know, 60.63 inches or, or whatever, you know, it could have been something really wacky hard to try to make it fit into normal inches. And that, that, would, have, that would have taken this task and made it more ch- maybe unnecessarily challenging. Mm-hmm. See, I'm really curious now because you have already mentioned on this podcast numerous times that measurements – are your strength in math mm-hmm. and you just immediately turn that into three quarters and you probably wouldn't struggle very much at all. But I'm wondering if there are students who will turn that 75 hundredths into three fourths because they're more comfortable with fractions. It's actually rented, written on the chart in thousands. I, I, I went from thousands into hundreds. So it's written as 750 thousandths. But I was just trying to be easy. So I read it as 75 hundredths. Oh. But, and it's written as thousands because for the nickel, dime, and quarter. For the thickness has to be in thousands. No, no, be- because in the nickel, dime, and quarter, that has to go to the thousands. And I think they okay. were just trying to be consistent gotcha. across the chart. The same number of digits. So is there a way to do either three-fourths, how many three-fourths are there in six, or how many 7,500s are there in six in some mental, like, is your brain able to do it mentally? There's some... Is your brain well, I able know to that, do it mentally? <laughs> I know that, and this is just something I picked up, that two three-quarters is one and a half. Oh, good. And four three-quarters is three. So you need eight going right. across. Dang, Gina. Mic drop. That was good. That wasn't a, a mic. That was a pen, a pen. But I didn't want to drop my mic. Okay, so. And that's just something I've picked up along the way that I, you know, I don't even have to think about about moving from three quarters to one and a half and then from one and a half to three. So I'm thinking your students will not go. Spoiler alert, guys. It's eight by eight in this box here, this cube of six inch cube. Eight by eight stacks, Mm -hmm. right? And then you still have to figure out how much is in each stack. So you still have to figure out how many nine hundredths? No, six hundredths. It says about six hundredths. So I'm sure he picked that. So that you would need to act two to get the exact answer. Say that again. It says about six hundredths, but yeah. in act two, it tells you that there are 144 pennies 
in that row. No, 104. In the stack? 104. Mm -hmm. In the stack. Yeah. Okay. Let's stick with the, well, really. So would you want them to mathematically figure this out or would you want them to stack up pennies? Not stack up pennies because they're not going to be able to. Yeah, Stack we don't have enough pennies for that. You're going to have to come up with a different strategy. Yeah, 104 pennies. That's a buck. <laughs> Not a bunch of pennies. I was just wondering. But, yeah. But also stacking them without something to stack them against is going to just... I was just wondering. All around the room. Yeah. All right, so how are they going to do that? That's Because that's the first thing they're going to need to figure out. So we talked about this. Like maybe that productive struggle comes as a modeled part of how do you attack this task? Because you have expressed that your kids, not all of your kids have that idea of productive struggle being mm -hmm. being okay or being worthwhile or. And let's be honest, if this is the first time that they've done something like this, you're not going to have the perseverance that you want. Mm -hmm. You're going to have the, I'm really dumb. Yeah. I don't even know what to do. All right, wait, so wait, go back and say that sentence again. So because I have, I mean, I've done this in my classroom, but if this is the first year that they have been approached with problems that cause you to have productive struggle, they're not used to it. And perseverance is really what one of our objectives is. And students don't, especially, so you have you have three kinds of students maybe, and you have the students who would be able to understand this mathematically and solve the problem and not have productive struggle. Then you have the students hmm. who would not have the first, the first step to even get to like, what do I do first? And so they just sit there with their arms folded and that's not productive struggle. That's giving up. Right. And then you have this small group in the middle who would have productive struggle, but they're affected, in my opinion, by both of those people on the other side. Like they're already done. And maybe it's just easier to sit here and wait for Mrs. E to give me what to do next. And you want them instead to go th walk through productive struggle. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just, had, just was trying to hear that, that they've never, or a lot of your students haven't learned in, in this method before, and you know you're trying to encourage them to engage in productive struggle and not hit the first sign of struggle and then sit back and ah she'll tell us when it's time. Yeah, yeah. So you got to name it, like from the very beginning. Right. This is the one of the, and we, I've named it. Like yeah. I have Damien is in my class and he'll come in and he'll be like, Oh, are you going to make my brain grow today, Missy? E? <laughs> because yeah. he has all this productive struggling. Exactly. Yeah. But he has been the student traditionally who does not do his homework, who does not turn in classwork, but you put a test in front of him. You burnt Damien. And he gets an A. Mm -hmm. So he, in, his mind is good at math and he is not affected by his grade. He doesn't care what his grade is. But in my class this year, he's feeling like, wait a minute, these answers aren't just popping into my head. She's really making my brain grow. Because and it sounds we, like he's kind of responding positively. I mean, he's oh, like making a joke out of it, but right. I think it's a positive. Yeah. Thing. He's, he's appreciating it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. S okay. So how are you going to, you want to use this first step of 
how many six hundredths are in six in order to model what your productive struggle might look like and what to do when you feel it and face it. And listen to what you just said. How many six hundredths are in six? So we could scale that to how many one hundredths are in one. All right, before we go scaling and changing words, isn't it just a hundred? Exactly. I was trying to make it more complicated, and I don't know if you saw me move. Oh, no, I wasn't moving the decimal point. I was moving the place value Woo! in my head with my pen in the air. Yeah. Okay. So how many six hundredths are in six? I divided both of them by six and turned it into how many hundredths, how many one hundredths are in one. Okay. So a couple of things. One is... Are you going to like model – because they're not going to – even if you said go, work on this, figure it out. They don't – it sounds like you didn't do enough last two weeks ago for them to be like, oh, that's the strategy I want to use. So correct, you're kind of like teaching the strategy and teaching the modeling of what the productive struggle looks like. Are you going to – are you going to like out loud – narrate that oh i'm thinking back to these problems of last time we did this i wonder if that will work here let me try it i think my first strategy would be to put it back to them and someone is going to say well we could count by six hundredths so it might turn into i mean it would be cool to have coral counting at that point right and you're I mean, that's a lot of coral counting, but maybe you could identify the pattern. Huh. I don't know. I just realized how much this project would cost if you were going to fill a six by six cube with pennies. How much is it? $64. So, yes, except for Oops, this. Was is I not supposed a, to say that? No, it's fine, but this is about. about okay, so it was like 100. That's right, you said it was 104 pennies. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Good estimating there, Jay. You're just like all over it this fist bomb. You're all over it this morning with the you math. Know, I can multiply. Yeah. See, are you smarter than a fifth grader? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, you don't want to do this project for everybody in your class. What do you right. mean? Like it's expensive quick. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, Here's a sack of pennies. Fill up this cube. (laughs) I got lost in where were we? So we were talking about what strategies they might use. Oh, I have an idea. What if I think that you still need to have five minutes ish. I don't know. um, Of time where they have to think about it on their own. Quiet thinking time. After I've said how many six hundredths are in six? Mm, I'm not sure yet, but but it's at some point in the process of how many are in this stack, whether it's before you name it in that way, that's what we're really trying to figure out, or, you know. So after, after you've seen the table and you know that each penny is, and we've talked about which dimension you want yeah. from the table. I don't know at what point you want to start taking over and modeling for them, but I'm just saying what I do know is that they need to have some time to think about it 
so that when you start rolling with your strategy, they're attaching it to something. Otherwise, it's like, oh, I'm just watching my do this cool math problem, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Where are you going to where are you going to take over and kind of like. So I think I would use the. Oh, come on. I'm going to lose her name. The five practices where you anticipate your student response. And then I'm going to walk around the room and I'm going to see the students who have some kind of thought process in their attempt to figure this out. Like look at the student they have used repeated multiple they're using multiplication to solve a division problem Mm -hmm. and they're using repeated addition look at this student they are i mean you're right i don't think i'm going to have anyone scale it by dividing by six but someone might scale it to divide by two someone might use 10 like multiplying it by 10 yeah and then we would talk about each of those yeah. strategies. Okay. All right. So you may just have to are we back to you kind of have to like wing it and see how it goes. Like how, you know. Well, I think having talked about it and anticipating what kind of responses they are and the fact that I've gotten to this point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to model this so they can then take the other one. Because – Let's be honest. This three-act task could take three days. That's what I was thinking. Right? And if I want them to come to a conclusion at the end of 50 minutes, which I do because there has – as I found out with multiplying decimals, there has to be a time where you're like, okay, this is it. There's a reason that mathematicians have an algorithm. Mm -hmm. And because sometimes it's the most efficient way to use it. Yeah. You know, and so what is the algorithm for this so that you can be efficient at it? And mm-hmm. sometimes it's discovered and you can, you know, call it by the student's name who named it. But sometimes it's just, let me tell you how to do it. And in this case, with division of decimals, the algorithm that we've all been taught is to multiply by. 10 or a power of 10 mm-hmm. because it always works. You know, like you're never going to get to a place where that doesn't work and make numbers that you can work with. But what we've sort of determined is that it's not necessarily always the most efficient strategy, you know, and that's, I think, what we miss by just teaching them multiply by 10 or by 100. Sometimes you can multiply by two or sometimes if you divide by two or what makes a much easier problem mm-hmm. um, so well think- in this case I divided by six yeah so and then this looks complicated right mm-hmm. when you look at it with the division bar but when you ask the question how many hundredths are in a whole yeah it's That's not so a hard cool. problem this is like perfect learning in the context, you know, mm-hmm. like they're going to, you're going to really, I think, na- what? I mean, learning the context. There's no time they're going to be stacking pennies. But how many hundreds are in a dollar? Like you, uh, uh, so you went directly to, I saw you with your finger. 
moving the decimal in the divisor. No, I was in, moving the, the place value. <laughs> I watched the, you because you went to the right, <laughs> which if you were shifting place value, you would have like Push moved it. it this way. <laughs> um, that was your go-to. And then you were like, wait a minute. Isn't the answer a hundred? Like if I had thought about what the question was asking me instead of going right to that algorithm, you would have had an answer. Yeah. And so I think that's where we are, especially with when you're doing real life problems. Like we also had this conversation, which I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but come on. If you've got a long division dividend divisor decimal problem in real life, how many two and five eighths are in 62 and a half? Well, you're going to use a calculator. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm not going to paper for that. Yeah. Right? I did yeah. a, I did just multiplication here. I forgot how to do it halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I feel like there is so much merit in being able to mentally dissect a problem and figure out what it's asking. Yes, you have to know the algorithm. And yes, you have to know which answer makes sense when you're looking at a multiple choice selection. But I don't know, I don't know that there's a time where you're going to by hand do long did decimal divisor division. Yeah. yeah. But you will answer division problems for the rest of your life. And you will for the rest of your life, need to know what operation to plug into your calculator when you, when this kind of situation comes up, how many of these are in that? You mm-hmm. have to know that that's division to know what to put in your calculator. And you have to know that the dividend goes in your calculator first. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the value of teaching this with a context, and I don't mean like with your hands, a context of some sort of story or picture or model or whatever. It would be $66.56. Good job. You're right. That's, I think, what it said on the, in Mm -hmm. the final. Yep. You got it. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Now you, now you need the sequel. You need the, there's an act four and an act, there's like. Wait, how are there four acts and a three act class? (laughs) Because it's the, it's the. Differentiation point. Yeah. What you give Uh, your kid who's like, I already got it. Oh, you mean now, now physically? I need the I need the extension yes. because so your I got it. Question would be how much does that weigh? I almost didn't get it because multiplying by a two digit number, my brain was like, "Oh, Oof. dang! I'm not sure what to do." And when there's yeah. a zero in one of the numbers, what? Yeah, I almost Dude, gave up. You could have done a hundred times sixty four, and then four times sixty four. I could have, but you know what? I didn't. <laughs> You did find I still there. would have had to – well, I could have figured 64. I could figure that out. But. Yeah. All right. We've got um, about 10-ish minutes left before we have to get ready to school. So what part do we still want to – because there's – you're right. This is probably three days' worth of really good discussion and productive mm-hmm. struggle. So what else do we need to focus on staying on this? What day one's going to look like or do you want to talk about where it's going to go and – I don't know. What else do you want to? So, again, maybe I'm showing all my cards here and saying something that three-act task writers don't want to hear. But I have to get to the point where they are practicing this because that is what their assessment looks like, right? Yeah. I mean, I haven't made their assessment. 
could their assessment be the continuation of this where I ask them how many pennies fit in this cube and you have all of these strategies that you've used? Is that a good enough of a division assessment or does there have to be a page of division problems where you solve it? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that. Hmm. I think if I were going to make up the assessment, I would want some of both. I would want a problem where here's my context and it may be pennies and it may be something totally. So some other different context where they understand that if you see a problem where it's how many of this are in this, it's a division problem. But then I would want, I think I would want a couple of naked number problems because I would hate to put only a context problem in there and not know, did they not get it because they didn't understand the context or did they not get it because they can't do the division at all? I think I would put both. It's kind of like the thing where, you know, having, is it because like a math problem, do students not understand the math or do they not understand can't read the problem to mm-hmm. just to figure out what they're supposed to do. What do you think? Okay, so I'm writing my question because I'm going to be the one who makes this assessment. Yeah. So I'm thinking about how many potatoes are in this five-pound bag. Okay. And each of these potatoes weighs, and I would give you that information. I would probably give you a picture of the potato. So if you're going to say how many of these are in five, what kind of a number do I want? Do I want a number that you can manipulate in your head. Do I want something like nine hundredths? That's a little more difficult. Do I want to just say they're a quarter of a pound, an eighth of a pound? What? You know? If they're nine hundredths of a pound, there's a bunch of potatoes in that whole thing. <laughs> right. In that bag. They got a little teeny little yeah. teeny potatoes. <laughs> they're red potatoes. <laughs> um, fingerling potatoes. Well, one hundred and twenty-five thousands sure is an interesting answer or or divisor because then your brain could go, oh, there's eight in a pound, so then eight times five is forty. Forty. Like, did you follow that? One hundred. Yeah. Okay. And you, but you'd write it as a decimal. I know that point one two five is an eighth. Yeah. And do they know that? Did you you talked about that? Yeah, some of them do. I mean, we just did that whole like dollar. With the um, yeah. mini-me That'd be a project. nasty problem to do, though, like, long division-wise. You know, if you if you don't know the it's one-eighth, there's eight, you're like, yuck. Right? You're going to, you would. So that would turn into 125 into. 500. No. 5,000. Yeah. Blech. Well, it's not too bad. I mean, you're just going to. Count by 125s, and hopefully when you get to the 250, then you can see that that's going to be 500. Okay. That's not right. That's not terrible. You got anything to say about that? I think because I my brain knows that 125 thousandths is an eighth, I didn't have a problem with it. Yeah. But I think if I saw, you know, uh, take it one for, well, I also know the point zero six two five is a 16th. But if it was something like... That bit, like that much of a number that I didn't know right away what that was, it would overwhelm me. So, what if we do 0.25? 25. 
2,500s. I'm sorry. We've been saying right. them as incorrect sorry. decimals. So what? a potato is a quarter of a pound. How many potatoes are in the five-pound bag? I mean, a quarter of a pound, I would write. Zero and 2,500s. I, I think that's a good yeah. start. Yeah. I think that's less less overwhelming or scary to somebody who doesn't know that decimal conversion on the top yeah. of their head. And are you going to accept – you're going to accept any strategy, right? Like I'm going to accept any strategy, and I'm sitting here thinking about a picture of a bag of potatoes and a potato with 25 hundredths of a pound written on it. Yeah. And they write a mathematical question that would require division – to answer it so they would have to come up with the question how many potatoes are in the bag and Hmm. i've done this before where when you think you have the question bring your paper to me and i'll give you the points for that part for coming up with the question and then you can go back to your seat and solve it hmm Why, why tell me your reason for writing it that way? And you you said, because I was modeling it after that task where what, what mathematical questions could you answer with this? And if you have a picture of a potato and a picture of a bag of potatoes, what other mathematical question could you ask? So what other crazy things are they going to say? They're I don't gonna- know. How many I mean, bags can you fit in this potato? <laughs> One fortieth. What, what else is in this bag other than potatoes? How much? How much does it weigh if you put this potato and that bag of potatoes together? But you're saying it has. You have to write division. I don't know. I, you're going to tell them it has to be a division. It has to be a question that can be answered with division. So by doing that. When you are thinking about your question, and Mrs. E has said, yes, that's the correct question, now you know what you're going to have to do. Now yeah. you know it's a division problem. I guess I would – I guess I'm just going for the simplest route. But what if you – what? You're laughing at us. I'm trying to figure out how you would – like. I'm, I'm thinking back to the task that we – the three-act task we talked yeah. about just a second ago and how you would set this up. Like you were talking about drawing a potato. Well, drawing a potato is going to look like a rock. Well, I would get a picture so, of a potato off Google. But I you would could not make, draw a But potato. make a video of like have a sack of potatoes and then one potato you sit down beside. Or, you know, do that same kind of thing where you're not trying to – I don't know. It's it's They're not confused about what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they are confused about what you want them to do, and that's part of this problem, and that's mm-hmm. why you're that's why you're doing it this way. But it's not like, hey, there's a sack of potatoes and a rock, or you know. <laughs> I think they'll know it's a potato. I could label it. This yeah. is a potato. <laughs> I just think there's something about that that presentation that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. That makes it. So I could do something like that. I could say. F- For the first question on your quiz, watch this video and write the mathematical question that could be solved with with division. division. Or a mathematical question. Are there there any other mathematical questions that could be solved with division other than how many potatoes are there in this bag? 
I mean, you could do how many potatoes are in one pound of this bag or something. Well, you don't, do they know, are they going to know right away it's a five pound bag? Because they didn't know right away that that was a six inch cube. I don't think they're going to know it's a five pound bag. I think they're going to see the potato, they're going to see the bag and they're going to see the potato. And the question is how many potatoes are in this bag? They're going to know that it's a quarter of a pound. It's going to say 2,500. I think you should you should show them you pulling a potato out of the bag and setting it to the side. So they know that the potato came from that bag and you and you pulled out one and I don't know. Unfortunately, we are out of time. <laughs> so this is hang. This is going to have to hang and we're going to be able to talk about it tomorrow on our, on our runs. runs. Yeah. Um, so I think you definitely should record, take pictures of whatever, jot down notes, what happens in the next couple of days. And this would be perfect to come back and talk about in the next episode, okay. even though we'll probably talk about it all week as we're running. I think we should summarize what happened. <laughs> next week we'll be sick of talking about this potato yeah. in this bag. <laughs> and, and the pennies. But the rest of us will be just on the edge of our seats waiting for <laughs> and, the conclusion And also of think about, like, think about you're going to do it that first class and then you're going to go, oh, that didn't work. I'm going to change it here. Like, jot yeah, that stuff idea. down if you get a chance. Like... So that we can jot down your productive struggle as yes, you're trying Ruth, to yes. trying to measure your students' productive struggle. Yeah. All right. How do you feel about this day now? <laughs> I feel like I have a whole lot of takeaways. I got to come back with something. <laughs> okay. So who's gonna go first? So modeling a productive struggle is my takeaway. Okay. How do I do that? What does it look like? I'll get back to you. Okay. Good. You know what? You don't. Here's my. This is not a takeaway. Well, it'll be my takeaway. You know, I was, I was talking about doing this. Can you just not have a bag of potatoes in the, they all look at you and you pull one potato out of that bag and you set it down? You Why do we, why does it have to be fancy? A sack of potatoes and that's it. See, that's kind of like Tracy. Just make that ice cream float right there. Just do it class. right there. I mean, that's the easiest thing. <laughs> you didn't like that idea, but yeah. now you're like, get a bag and you of potatoes. Could, you could have I a didn't s- say, and everybody eat this potato <laughs> once the grubby hands been all over it. You could have a scale. <laughs> Right there, and they and you set it on the scale that they can't see, and you say, "Oh, this it's zero and twenty five hundreds and write it on the board. That's the way to do it, right there. Boom! Just lie. You don't have Love to make it. a video about it. You don't have to. Yeah. You just they just see the bag of potatoes and they see the potato, and it's not a rock. And it's not a rock. <laughs> That's a good idea, Jay. Way to simplify it. And the first time you have the bag turned to them so they can't see the big five pounds written on the side. Mm. And then later you turn that bag around. Man, look at me. Look at you. They turn around so you can see the five pounds <laughs> written on the side of the Do bag. Do potatoes really come in five pounds? Yeah, they come in five and ten. Okay. This is our guest. This is today. this is Tracy Prophet who does not buy groceries for her family. Do potatoes really come in five pound pounds? <laughs> yep. True story. All right. So is that your takeaway? Or mm-hmm. you have another takeaway? Nope, that's it. My takeaway is that I I'm sometimes still scared of mental computation on the spot. Like I was staring at 75 hundredths or 750 thousandths and like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like in my brain, like I can't do that in my head and I really can. I need to just like stop being afraid of it and attack it like you did. So. Bam. Yeah. All right. Ruth. 
Good luck today. Yeah. <laughs> you got this. So much for coaching, right? She gets hey. this new job and I'm the only one who's going into the trenches to try something that's going to possibly fail. Well, this way, all you got to do is go buy a sack of potatoes. <laughs> That's, that's about as easy a setup as you can get. We got to get to pennies first. Yeah, see the pennies. Oh, the, pennies the first. Potatoes that's right. You got to teach potatoes it before you assess it. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I was already on the potatoes. <laughs> All right. I can't wait for tomorrow's run so we can hear about how day one went. Right. All right. See you in a run. Bye.